0: Alright, hello and welcome back to episode 2 of the Change of Frequency podcast. Uh, thank you if you're a return listener and you listened to the first episode and wanted more. You guys are awesome. I got so much like really good feedback from everybody and it was just great. Like I am so happy to be able to do this and connect with you guys in such a more intimate way. It's just super cool. So I figured we'd start off episode two strong in perfect Mandy style by talking about my favorite topic of all time, death. And for those of you who listened to the last episode, you probably heard a little tidbit of me having a near death experience last year. And I want to tell that story and I want to tell that story and then just talk about how that really did Change my life and dive a little bit deeper into my philosophy about life and how that has changed over the past year. When all of this went down last year, I think around June or July, I went on Instagram and did an Instagram live and kind of told my story about what happened. Um, So if you saw that and you already know this story, then maybe you don't want to hear it again. But (laughs) I'm going to tell the story again. Um, It might even be a little bit of a different perspective telling it over a year later. So who knows? But anyways, so it all started with abdominal pain. I had severe abdominal pain for like 24 hours and I seriously, I swear I thought I was just constipated. I had just quit smoking nicotine. So I had just quit vaping and I had been smoking nicotine and vaping for like literally 11 years. So my body was so dependent on it that like I would wake up in the morning hit my vape and that's how I could like poop in the morning so (laughs) When I quit I had quit for like maybe two weeks at this point and I was just like I I was kind of constipated too. So I thought i'm like, oh, maybe like i'm just having like pain because i'm constipated You know, I put it off for 24 hours. I literally woke up one morning um the day after the pain started and there was just a giant lump like sticking out of my stomach like the size of a baseball and I was kind of like oh this is weird but the pain had stopped so I was like okay like maybe I'm good well little did I know that this was like ovarian torsion. The giant cyst, I had a grapefruit sized cyst on my ovary and it was just twisting and it would like stop twisting and the pain would go away and it would come back and twist again and the pain would come back excruciating. So anyways, when it didn't go away, I went into the ER. They did an ultrasound on my abdomen and they found the cyst and the OB comes in and he's like, so this is cutting off blood supply to your ovary. We have to do emergency surgery if we want to save your organ. And I'm like, okay, great. I guess that's what we have to do. Like, what am I going to do about it? So (laughs) He's like, don't worry about it. This is going to be like a super easy, minimally invasive surgery. Like, don't even worry about it. You're going to go home the next day. Um, I also had another little cyst on my right side, so they had to take both of them out. Anyways, they prep me for surgery. It's like midnight. I go into surgery. I wake up in the post-op unit and I had to pee so bad. I had to pee so bad. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the only thing I could think about. I was like, I need to pee. They're like, okay, we'll get you up to go pee. So they start to sit me up to go pee and I pass out. Pass out on the bed. I come to and I have nasal cannulas in my nose giving me oxygen. And I'm like, what happened? They're like, oh, you sat up and you passed out, but it's okay. We're going to get you like a bedpan so you can pee. I'm like, okay. So they put a bedpan under me. I'm trying to pee. I cannot pee. I'm not even kidding you. I'm trying so hard to pee because I had to pee so bad. The feeling was so strong. Couldn't pee. They're like, this is weird. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, we're going to give you a catheter. I'm like, oh my gosh, give me a catheter. Nothing comes out. (laughs) So then I think they started to assume that something was wrong with the way my kidneys were filtering my blood. I don't know. They hang some solution for me on the IVs. They're giving me tons of fluids. I should have been peeing a bunch by now. It's literally insane. And they're just like, you're fine. I'm like, I don't feel good. I just kept telling the nurses, I, kept, I remember I kept being like, I don't feel good. Like, I had never had surgery before in my life, so I was like, maybe this is just from the anesthesia, like I have a headache, my whole abdomen is so swollen and painful. And they were like, oh yeah, like, you know, I'm sorry you don't feel good, uh, you're in a lot of pain, you want pain meds? I'm like, yes, give me the pain meds. They gave me, I think they shot me with like fentanyl, and then later on when it wasn't working, they're like, okay, we'll give you some ketamine. That wasn't working. They gave me morphine. Like, they were just pumping me full of pain meds. Little did we all know, they were just pouring into my abdomen, essentially, because I was bleeding out internally. So... Anyways, at some point I started to just look gray and I was not well, it was shift change. It was early in the morning. So these nurses were like ready to go home. And I think they, they just kept saying like, you're young and healthy. You're going to be fine. And I'm like, no, like I don't feel good. Like I think something is wrong, but I couldn't figure out what was wrong. And my ex-wife was there at the time with me and she was like, I need to find a doctor who's going to like see what's wrong with you. So she went walking down the hallway and she found a doctor and she's like, can you come look at this patient? She comes and looks at me. It's my anesthesiologist. She's like, oh, yeah, I just did her surgery. She looks at me, and she's like, oh, no, she's dry. Instantly calls my surgeon and the blood bank. So she took one look at me and could tell that I was bleeding. So they start hanging blood transfusions. Surgeon comes back. He had gone home for the night. He comes back. He, um does an ultrasound on my abdomen and he's like oh yeah you have like three liters of free blood in your abdomen i'm like oh great as my abdomen's just swelling up and i'm looking pregnant um he's like yeah so i know what happened uh you're swollen and i stitched you up uh while you were swollen and when the swelling went down post-op the stitches probably popped off and that's why you're bleeding out i'm like okay great love that journey for us So (laughs) I'm sitting there and at this point literally the blood was filling me so much that it was pushing up on my lungs So I all I could do when the surgeon was talking to me was literally sit there and go (sighs) Like I was just focusing on breathing like that's all I could do was focus on breathing and I was so tired because it was early in the morning. I hadn't slept. I just had surgery that I kept like closing my eyes and every time I would close my eyes and start to like fall asleep I would stop breathing and the monitor would be like beep 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 So that was super traumatic. But anyways, um, he's like, okay, great We have to open you back up and we'll stitch you back up and everything will be fine. Don't worry And I'm like, okay, great. Love this. We're going into another surgery. Here we go He leaves comes back. He's like, so there's a small problem Um, one of the ORs or not one of the ORs, all of the ORs are full for the morning because we just started all of our elective surgeries for the day. So we're going to have to wait to get you in. I'm like, Oh great. I'm not just struggling to breathe and fighting for my life right now or anything, but we're good. (laughs) So, um, so I spent like an hour waiting for an operating room and they were just filling me full of more blood because they're giving me these blood transfusions as I'm still bleeding out. My stomach is just continuing to fill with blood. I literally looked pregnant. I wish I would have gotten a picture of my stomach um, because I was so out of it at the time. I couldn't even really tell. And all I could focus on, I'm not even kidding, for an hour straight was just in and out, just breathing, breathing, breathing. That's all I could focus on. So like, I was literally fighting for my life and we got into the second surgery finally and it was so funny too because as soon as I got in there they were like, can you scooch over onto the operating table? (laughs) And I'm like, does it look like I can scooch right now, like could somebody just lift me? Um, So I'm trying to scooch over onto this operating table, I'm in so much pain I can barely breathe. Obviously, I couldn't do it. So then they end up lifting me. I'm like, okay, great. Love that we just had to make me struggle a little bit at the end here. So thank you. But anyway, (laughs) so, so I'm laying on the operating table and I'm looking at my surgeon and he's standing at the foot of like my feet, the foot of the table and the look in his eyes, like, I just don't know how else to describe it, but I just could tell that he knew he's like, she might not wake up from this. And I knew at the time too, like I had this deep inner knowing that I was just like, this is, this could be it. I might not wake up. And so as I'm sitting there waiting for them to set up everything for the surgery, I left my body. And I literally was floating up above my body, looking down at myself. And the feeling of leaving my body in that moment is the most peace I've ever felt in my entire life. And it was like, in that moment, I understood what people mean by the sweet release of death. And I don't know if that was just because I was in so much pain fighting for my life that it was like, oh my gosh, relief. I'm not in that body cage prison anymore. Or if it was just like, that's what it feels like to die. Um, But it was so peaceful. And it was like, in that moment, Like I had spent the past hour fighting for my life, scared out of my mind. And then in that moment, it was like this overwhelming sensation of peace where I was like, I'm not scared. Like, I'm not scared to die. Like, I'm good. If this is my time, it's my time. But then in that same breath... I literally had my life flash before my eyes and I was it was like all of a sudden I thought about everybody that I loved and I was like you know what death does not hurt the person who dies it doesn't it doesn't hurt me of course I'm not scared it hurts the people I leave behind and it was like this overwhelming sense where I was like I can't do it I can't let go it'd be too easy to let go right now my work is not done here and I, I have people that I can't leave behind. I have unfinished business. And it was like, I, I don't know how I did it, but I took everything in me and I pulled myself back into my body. And it was like all of a sudden I was back behind my eyes again and back in pain and back forcing my breath. And I looked up and they put the anesthesia mask on me and I was out. So that was that. And I woke up. I woke up to being extubated, which is one of the most uncomfortable sensations in the world. It's like you literally have a tube getting ripped out of your lungs. And I woke up to that. And I was honestly shocked and amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, okay, I made it. I'm alive. And they're like, you know, we thought we would be able to go in through your tiny incisions again, but there was just too much blood. We had to cut you open hip to hip so you're gonna have a little bit more recovery time we're gonna put you in the icu so basically i spent a couple days in the hospital after that um just recovering from two emergency surgeries (laughs) and then the long road to recovery began um and just a series of events um the whole physical journey of recovering my body through yoga is definitely a story for a different episode, but, um, cause I really want to have this episode be focused on death and mortality. And like, so now that I've explained the story, um, I guess like what happened afterwards was I had so much PTSD because this was such a traumatic experience, um, So, like, I literally spent weeks, if not, yeah, maybe a month, I couldn't sleep. I was waking up every hour crying, having flashbacks, having dreams every time I would fall asleep about being on the operating table. Um, So it really affected my sleep. Like, that was something that was really, really hard in the recovery, like, right after. Um, Because when you don't get good sleep, like anybody who has insomnia or trouble sleeping, you'll understand, like it affects every other aspect of your life. Because if you don't get good sleep, like you're not going to function properly during the day. It's going to give you more anxiety, which is going to cause you to have even worse sleep. And it's just like this vicious cycle. And it didn't help that like I had a super unsupportive partner at the time. So um, going through all of this while in a very abusive relationship was just just really hard and it really sucked for like at least a month and then after that I um I got to a point where I was just suffering so much mentally, Um, physically too, I was in a lot of pain, but like mentally I was just in a bad place. I felt like such a victim, I was so pissed that this happened to me, I'd been like in the best shape of my life and then had my muscles cut open and my whole body had so much dysfunction going on, I felt so like incapable of doing things. I was just pissed and I didn't feel like any like zest for life. I was just so stuck in the PTSD and so overtired and my brain was just not working. And I had always been like a big weed smoker my whole life, Uh, pretty much my whole life, (laughs) except for seasons of getting sober off of all drugs. But um, I had always kind of been like a pretty big weed smoker and after my surgery, I hadn't smoked weed for like a month and I was like scared too because I was in such a bad place mentally. I was like, Oh, like I don't wanna go into like some crazy tripping out moment. Um, but one night for some reason I was like, you know what? I'm so scared of this, but I feel like I need to do it. Like I feel like this is gonna maybe give me a little bit of a perspective change that I might need right now or or like give me some tough love. So I'm like, I'm gonna smoke some weed. Well because I can't do anything just halfway, I literally was like, let me just smoke this entire joint to myself. So I sat down and smoked an entire joint to myself and I, it did exactly what it needed to do. I had a huge awakening. Like I had a huge perspective shift. I was able to see things clearly. I sat there tripping out by myself and I was like, wow, like I am choosing I'm choosing to be a victim right now. I'm choosing to see this as something bad that happened to me, and be like, "Woe is me!" Like, this sucks. But it's like, no, it doesn't. You're alive. Like, you're alive. You survived that, and that's like super badass and amazing. And like, maybe this is all part of your story, and maybe this is happening for a reason so that you can like, you reevaluate your life and realize that like life is short and you have no control over when you die. And like I genuinely think it's hilarious that smoking a joint to myself is what made me have this realization, but it was. So I have to give it the credit where credit is due. So after I had this realization, it was like, oh my gosh, like I felt like a fl- a switch flipped in my mind. And all of a sudden I was like, okay, like y- you are so right me. um this perspective shift is exactly what we needed life is short like this is insane that you almost just died and you didn't like you're still here this is a gift and all of a sudden I just started to look at life differently my zest started to come back behind my eyes and I was like able to sleep again I was able to sleep which was insane (laughs) like it was just like just like that. I was able to sleep again. I wasn't having the night terrors and the flashbacks. And it was like, I just was able to rewire in my mind the way that I saw the entire event. And it was so crazy. It like inspired me. I started posting more on social media. I started journaling more. I started reading books more. I just went on this like self-discovery journey and got back to kind of like who I was and started just reevaluating like all aspects of my life and all aspects of my mindset and I was like I was so inspired I was like you know what like I wish that I could give an experience like this to everyone because it's like we literally like I started to realize how much like we live our life especially in the health and wellness community we live our life trying to avoid death and trying to increase our longevity of our life in so many ways and we we do so many things to improve our health and wellness which i think is great and i think like everything in life you just need to have balance but it almost to it almost gives a false sense of control over our mortality and it's like you think that you have so much control over your mortality, when in reality nobody does. I sat there and thought about the fact that I was a 24 year old, super healthy individual, you know, super active, super healthy, ate healthy. Um, I wasn't drinking alcohol, wasn't doing anything like, well, pretty much anything besides the nicotine, (laughs) um, that was like super, you know, obviously detrimental to my health. I was focused on wellness. Like that's the world I lived in being a massage therapist. And so I was taking care of my body, but it didn't matter. Like those cysts were growing inside me since I was an infant. That's what a dermoid cyst is. By the way, I didn't really clarify what kind of cyst I had. I had dermoid cysts. It's embryonic tissue that forms weird when you're like an infant in the womb. Um, go ahead and go Google dermoid cyst if you want to be really grossed out and learn more about that because I'm not going to continue to talk about that because it's not relevant to the story. But either way, it was like a huge awakening to me. It was like it doesn't matter how much green juice you drink. It doesn't matter how much yoga you do. Like, you're not in control of your mortality. We are, humans are like the most resilient creatures, but also the most fragile at the same time. And it's like the craziest oxymoron of life. And I truly think, like, death can be our greatest teacher if we let it, if we stop trying to avoid talking about death because it's painful to lose people and we're scared of it because. You know, the reality of it all is no matter what your belief system is, none of us actually know what happens after we die. And while that's true, it's also true that it's the one thing that we all know for certain is going to happen to us. And you don't know when and you have no control over it. And it can be imprisoning and debilitating and anxiety inducing to think about Or it can set you free, like it can literally set you free to meditate on your mortality, to think about it, and to really just use it as a tool to evaluate your life. Like if I die tomorrow, would I be happy with how I'm living my life? Because that's something that could happen. That's a reality that could happen. We have this illusion that there will always be more time, when in reality, that's just not true. We have no way to control that. I think that this becomes really real for people when they experience death of a loved one or they experience that great loss, you know, that's when it becomes really real that you're like, wow, you know, you never know how much time you have left. I thought I hadn't forever with that person and they're gone. Um, or if you have a near death experience, obviously that could be an awakening too, but it's like most of the time. We go about living our life, we take people for granted, we take situations for granted, we take everything for granted. And it's like, you just don't know, you really don't know. But it's taboo to talk about death. And especially in part because grief and loss is the most painful thing that humans experience, it is. And we don't like to feel pain Like, we don't want to experience that pain, so we avoid it. We don't want to think about our mortality. We don't want to talk about our mortality. We don't want to talk about death. Like, my boyfriend probably gets so irritated with me and thinks I'm crazy because I'll literally text him things like, I hope I see you again before I die. And he's like, don't say that. (laughs) But it's just the way that my mind works. Like It's the way that I think nowadays, ever since this experience happened to me. Because when I can keep my mortality at the forefront of my mind, it makes me appreciate everything more, every single moment and have more gratitude. And that just invites more and more blessings into my life. It's brought me into a whole new level of self-esteem and not, not giving a single shit about what anybody thinks because at the end of the day like everybody you know is going to die. We're all going to die. Our existence here, we have the illusion that it's long, but it's so fleeting. And if you talk to anybody who is in like their 70s, like my dad is 71 and he will be the quickest to tell you that this life flies by. Like it flies by in a blink of an eye and you don't even realize. And then you're 70 and you're like, wow, you know, I, maybe I maybe I wish I would have started that podcast when I was 25 Um, but I was like too scared of what people would think of me. So, you know, we all have our own example of that, but if you're listening to this right now and that brought something to mind, you know, it's like, it's not too late. You're still here. You're not dead. You can start anything you want. You don't have to worry about what anybody's going to think because at the end of the day, what anybody thinks of you is just a reflection of how they feel about themselves anyways. But I just love it. I love that we can really dwell on that mortality and the fact that, you know, I could die tomorrow and you can just sit there and let that, let that allow you to not take shit so seriously and to not, overthink everything and to let it let it give you some relief and some peace I mean if I didn't have my near-death experience I don't think I would have had the courage to leave my four-year marriage because I you know I had this belief system that you well you chose to get married and you made this commitment so you better make it work and That's just the way it is. This is forever. Like I had that belief system and it was like, you know, a lot of stuff went down in my relationship that is also for another podcast episode, but it was like, I realized that life is short and am I going to stay in this relationship where I'm being abused and I'm unhappy and I'm not valued and, you know, there's all of this traumatic drama going on that's just negative and not positively affecting my life? Or am I gonna jump into the unknown and see where it takes me? Because this life is so short and we stay in our comfort zone because we feel safe there, even if it's really uncomfy. We're like, well, this is familiar. So I at least, I'm at least familiar with this discomfort. I'd rather sit in my familiar discomfort than go into the unfamiliar discomfort. And it's like, when you think about death and how imminent it is, you're like, well, maybe I do want to experience that unfamiliar discomfort. Maybe I should just try it out since I'm going to die anyways. (laughs) Well... Anyways, that's enough on death and mortality for today. I'm going to be talking about this topic a lot on this podcast because it is, has, death has been one of the greatest teachers in my life and I have a lot more to say about it and I want to keep reminding us because sometimes you just need that little reminder during your day that, oh yeah, hold on, oh, I'm going to die, we're good, um, it can really snap you out of whatever dramas going on in your head. So uh, I'm going to continue to talk about it here and there, but uh, thanks for listening to this episode. And I genuinely mean it. Like, if you have things that you want me to talk about on here, requests, um, stories you want me to elaborate on more, anything... I genuinely want to hear from you that you guys, my listeners, are the reason why I'm doing this. So uh, don't hesitate to reach out to me. I, I would love to hear the feedback, even if it's bad. I love you guys. I love my humans. I hope that you feel better after listening to this than you did when you started this episode. And go ahead and subscribe, follow, follow me on Instagram, follow me on TikTok, etc. Thank you so much for being here. Until next time, I love you.